I want to talk to you. I've called my message um, the pattern. The pattern. And um, hopefully it'll encourage you. <laughs> if it doesn't, oh well. Um, you know, as part of our Back to the Future, reclaiming the DNA of the early church, what I've noticed is that, oops, sorry, that was a microphone, I just kicked it off. Um, <clears throat> and uh, don't put it back there. Put it somewhere, just not there. Um, what I've noticed, thank you, Molly. <laughs> what what I've noticed is um, that revelation is not static; it's progressive. God shows us stuff as time goes on. Like you know, if you haven't got more revelation ten years into your journey with Him than you had at the start, something's not right. He, Revelation's progressive. And so as we progress, we need to get hold of new revelation, fresh revelation. That's been the journey of the church ever since Christ walked. Well, actually, it's been the, the journey of humanity the whole of the time, um, is this progressive revelation. And sometimes we get it really right. Sometimes we get it really wrong. That's why we're looking at the DNA of the early church, because the question is, are we still on track or are we not? Have we uh, dropped the ball somewhere and we've gone down some tangent? Or are we still actually, it, it'll look really different, eh? It's got to look different now than it did 2,000 years ago. Like 2,000 years ago, I don't think they had an iPad. True. Uh, they had apples, uh, but I don't think they had an iPad. I just thought of that right then. Okay. You're welcome. And, um, but... <clears throat> God does, so we've just got to check on stuff. And that's really what our, our series is about this year. Is, it's looking at the, the DNA of the early church and, and saying, look, are we still on track with this? Are we still tracking okay with the, the purposes and the principles of God? Or if we just drop the, the ball somewhere? So our series currently is faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, And it is impossible, that's a strong word, it is impossible to please God without faith. Wow. Impossible to please God without faith. Now, I've talked about it before, but just to touch on it again, I won't go into it. Being loved by God and pleasing by God and pleasing God are two different subjects. God always loves you. His love for you never changes. You cannot do anything that will cause God to unlove you. He is love. He doesn't wake up in the morning and go, oh my goodness, it's a good day. The sun's out today. I will love them. That's not what he's like. He just, he love, it just it's part of his character. It's who he is, is love. So that'll never change. But pleasing God is a little more circumstantial. Pleasing God to do, has to do with your heart and your posture and your faith. Impossible to please God without faith. Wow. So what faith is is pretty important, isn't it? So can you finish the sentence for me? We live by faith and not by Very good. What about this one? Faith is the confidence that what we, yeah, yeah, you're there, hope for, back yourselves, what we hope for will actually happen. The problem is that when you get people to do that, eh? there's so many different translations now, you're not quite sure what word's been used. But anyway, faith is the confidence that what we hope will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. Great, great. I think that faith is 
one of the major stumbling blocks for people. I think faith is the difference between being religious and ticking the boxes and being a disciple of Jesus. Actually, the Bible would put it a different way. It would say sheep and goats. And the difference is faith. Faith, that, that real seeing, that purity of sight, that, that truth or that active belief. It's so important. Otherwise, it's just ideas and words, but there's nothing really um, practical and nothing outworks from our lives. Living by faith presents us with the same opportunity that the cloud of witnesses in the Bible had. You know the ones that are around cheering us now? You can't see them. I can't see them. Maybe you can. They're cheering us on. We've got exactly the same opportunity as they had to now live our life of faith and go on our journey of faith, which I think is very, very cool. So in other words, we get to choose faith or not by faith, sight, or obedience or our way, or human wisdom versus God's wisdom. That's the choices that lie in between us. And I know that you might look at them and think of them and go, well, that's pretty minor, you know, details. You get to do faith or sight or obedience or our way, human wisdom, God's wisdom. But it actually impacts every part of your life. It impacts the way you view and it impacts the way that you do every part of your life. The way that you love people, the way that we go about relationships, the way we go about marriage, the way we do parenting, the way we, our work ethic is impacted, tithing and generosity is impacted, social issues are imp- impacted. For example, work ethic. Do we just get up and do the bare minimum so that we get a paycheck so that we can live? Or do we actually have a revelation, <coughs> excuse me, a revelation that work is part of the brief that we were created for. That, uh, that means that my work is actually an offering. It's part of my worship to God, no matter what I'm doing. And he'll bless it accordingly. Because that mindset is faith. And I get to choose the human way or human wisdom or God's wisdom, which is faith. What about um, tithing's a good one? You know, oh, that's old school. We don't have to do that in the New Testament. It doesn't say that. No, you're right. It doesn't say go and pay your tithe. It just assumes that you do that in the New Testament. But we can either go, oh, that's old school, and I'm not doing that because that doesn't make any sense logically whatsoever. Or it's like, oh, I'll trust God with my resource as a tangible expression of my faith and a basic lifestyle of a disciple. And what's it do? It unlocks provision. So I get to choose by my rationale or by faith. Uh, what about treating people and my family right? Now, I suppose I should do that because, you know, the, the law says that I'll get in trouble if I don't. And it'd probably be a good thing to do. Or it's just a basic faith response to loving one another. You know, it's faith or it's my rationale. Honesty. Well, the commands of the land say I must be honest. Therefore, I'll be honest. I'm not sure I'd buy a car off Tim. But anyway, therefore, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Or am I living in such a way that my example will never shed negativity um, or a negative light on the nature and character of Jesus? 
You know, one of them's a worldly wisdom, worldly reason. The other one's faith. The other one's a response that's God's wisdom. I, I don't want my life to shed negativity. I like what Shane Willard says. He says, um, he says no one, which is quite strong, but he says no one ever rejects Christ. They only ever reject the picture of Christ that we represent or that we present to them. Strong. Hebrews 11 is one of my favorite chapters in the whole Bible. And, and what's so, um, one of the things that's going on in here, which I think is not so obvious, is there's a pattern. And I just want to help you see the pattern uh, tonight because patterns, um, they're all the way through the Bible. And this is a key pattern in Scripture. Once you see this pattern, you can't unsee it. All the way through the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. So when God reveals a principle, there's often a pattern at work as well when, as he unpacks that. And it's evident to me that um, God values his patterns, therefore we should too. He values his principles, he values his patterns that he prescribed, so we need to pay attention to them. Fair enough? Fair enough? Yeah, yeah, you can talk back to me. It's good. And, um, but, but, I'm talking about patterns, not formulas. Formulas don't work with God. A plus B equals C doesn't work with God. It might tomorrow, but it might not the next day. Because he doesn't work in formulas, because where there's formulas, there's no faith. He works in patterns. And he shows us patterns. You know, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus, it talks about Jesus, and he's saying, on this rock, I was talking with Peter, on this rock I'll build my church, but he's talking about the revelation of Jesus. On this rock I'll build my church. That's a pattern, it's not a formula. You start to look through the scriptures, you see the pattern coming over and over again. Hebrews 8, 5 to Moses, he said, uh, make sure you build according to the pattern. Ephesians 2, 20, he said, the cornerstone, is Jesus himself. Again, it's a pattern. He is the cornerstone of the church. doesn't matter what context it's in. The pattern's exactly the same. Make sense? Yeah. Great. Exodus 25, 9, he said to Moses, you must, he's talking about building the temple, you must build according to the pattern I will show you. He didn't say the formula or anything else. He said the pattern that I will show you. So we build according to the pattern, and part of the pattern that we see in Hebrews 11 is faith. Faith is part of God's pattern. Let's go to Hebrews 11 from verse 24. It says, It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He oh, sorry. I bit my tongue the other day, and it's got a big lump on the side, and every now and then I bite it again, and it's just really hard to say words. Yeah, ah, ah, it's an appropriate response. Thank you. I feel your love. Water's not going to help, Muller. I just need a new piece of tongue. <laughs> yeah. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead for his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn sons. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. What's the pattern? Because it was in there. What's the pattern? The pattern is choosing wisdom. 
You could call it the pattern of choosing wisdom, or you could call it the pattern of God's way, or you could call it the pattern of faith. Three ways saying exactly the same thing. The pattern of wisdom, the pattern of God's way, the pattern of faith. And Hebrews is, uh, 11 is so profound because what you don't realise there, unless you know your scripture, is it's picking up on a pattern that we first saw in Genesis chapter 3, where we'll go in just a minute. But concisely, the pattern is this. Choose God's wisdom or, not and, or choose human wisdom. That's the pattern. That's the choice that you and I have. Choose God's wisdom or choose human wisdom. So let's do that, that Hebrews passage again. 11 verse 24 to 29. It was by faith when Moses grew up, he refused to be called Pharaoh's daughter, uh, son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people. That was doing it God's way. It wasn't human wisdom. Instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin, human wisdom. Because which would you choose? You want to grow up in the palace? Have it all laid on? Or you want to be cast out like an outcast? Do it really hard and tough and everything else. Human wisdom would say grow up in the palace, wouldn't it? You can say yes, that's all right. No one's going to That's human wisdom. Oh, pick me. I'll grow up in the palace any day compared to living out in the desert and stuff. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own treasure in Egypt. He was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who was invisible. He chose wisdom, God's way. He chose God's way. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover. God's way, and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn. If he had taken human wisdom, that would have been the outcome. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red uh, Red Sea. That was God's way. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned because that was human wisdom. If they can do it, we can do it. In they went, all drowned, wiped out. Human wisdom. Jump with me to Genesis chapter 3 from verse 1. It says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, Did you really say? Sorry, did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. The uh, amplified vision uh, at the end there says, um, they now knew the difference between good and evil and blessing and calamity. 
The principle's really simple, yet it's so profound. You do it God's way or your way. You live life according to your wisdom or according to God's wisdom. It was put in place in Genesis 3, and you see that pattern all the way through Scripture, over and over and over again, just in different contexts, it comes up. You either do it God's way or you do it your way. And here's the good news, nothing's changed. You get to live life your way or you get to live life God's way. Now, the good news is because of the cross, you know, if you totally stuff it up or you're sitting there going, man, I've totally stuffed it up, you can go again. You can go again. That's the good news. But as we live the life of faith, that's what it means. It means adopting this pattern into our life that I can either do it God's way or my way. And sometimes they seem to be quite close together and other times they are so far apart. God's way or my way. The pattern is good or bad. That's the biblical pattern. Good or bad. Good is God's way. Bad is human's way. Good is, God's way, uh, good is God's way or bad is human wisdom. We're given wisdom, we're given minds for a reason, but don't let your intellect override the truths of God. That's what it's saying. Living by faith means doing, it, doing life God's way. So we're pretty quick to uh, highlight the fact that Adam and Eve stuffed it up. Yeah. Guys, always say it was Eve. Standard response. Adam wasn't far behind, men. Don't. But here's the thing. They might have stuffed it up, but you and I are faced with the same pattern every day. Every day. So you know that's the whole thing. You point at them, you've got three fingers pointing back at yourself. Every day, tomorrow, you're going to be faced with this. One way, shape, form, somehow. Am I, am I going to choose to do it God's way or am I going to try and do it my way and rationalise my own? You know, sometimes when we're working really hard to come up with an ulterior, uh, alternative answer, I think we're just trying to rationalise our uh, opinion, our desire, rather than just going, okay, God, I'll do it your way. Will you choose God's way <clears throat> or somehow justify our own human Wisdom. See, if you think of it in those terms, the pattern impacts every part of your life. As I said before, it impacts the way we love people. I get to do it my way or I get to do it God's way. It impacts relationships and marriage. I get to do it my way or I get to do it according to the purposes and the ways of God. God, you know, he is love. He's kind of got that stuff down. Parenting. I I can do it according to my wisdom. Or I can adopt some principles and learn the principles and, and implement the principles of God. Work ethic, tithing, generosity. I can do it my way or do it God's way. Social issues. I can approach it with my mind or I can ask God and approach it with his value system. Human wisdom or God. The only thing is you've got to know God's ways to do that. And we do not need any more out-of-context scriptures pasted all over the internet telling us what God's ways are. We need to know God's ways. We need to know them. Not just pop a scripture out. 
I'll make the Bible say anything you want it to say. I mean, not just pop a scripture out. We've got to know God's ways. And better still is know God. Know God. So I think there's a clear invitation to commit ourselves to living God's pattern. It's a bit of a commitment. You will make some mistakes. You'll blow it. You'll probably blow it before the end of the week. Well, maybe even before the end of tonight. And that's life. And that's where relationship with Jesus is so special and so strong because he's got you. He's got you. No, it didn't say that um, it's a perfect life that pleases God. It says it's faith. Faith is active belief. Active belief or real seeing. It's faith. Even in faith, I'll step out. I'll make mistakes. It's not about perfection. It's about leaning into him. It's about doing it his way. It's about giving him your life, giving him your world. It's about saying, you know better than me. I'm going to do it your way. That's what faith looks like. It looks like when I fall down, instead of having a pity party and running away from God, I'm going to stand back up and I'm going to run to God. And he's going to go, I wonder what he is going to say when I do that. He's just going to grab me, isn't he? Say, good on you. Good on you. Not for making the mistake, for running back to him. Good on you. Right direction to run. The God of compassion and mercy. I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. It's beautiful. Why wouldn't I run back to that God when I make a mistake? Why wouldn't I want to do life with that God? I think the love of God is the most compelling argument ever to want to walk with him, to want to journey with him, to want to pick myself up and dust myself off when I make a mistake. You know, you talk to people and have a discussion. Why do you follow Jesus? Sometimes the answer is, oh, because I don't want to go to hell. It's not a very good answer. How about because the love of God is so compelling, I just can't do anything else? How about the love of God is so compelling, I want to stir myself to walk my life in faith, and no matter what mistakes I make or anything else, operating within and, and working with the love of God and knowing the God of love is just such a compelling way to live my life. I want to do it that way. And that's what faith's about. Being scared of hell is not faith. That's called fear. It's not a compelling argument to live a life with the God of love. I think... Ben can come if you'd like to. I think that the church has forgotten some of that. The DNA of the early church was built on the love of God, the love of Christ. And we've lost some of that. And I think if we can allow this faith series through nothing else to stir our love for God, that it is just the most compelling way to live, in love with God, journeying with God, 
celebrating God, worshipping God, experiencing God, encountering God together and on our own. It's such an amazing thing. And I think that's what faith looks like. Walking with this beautiful God.